and welcome to episode 66 of the Mutant Blitz podcast. I'm your host, Josh Hennig. On this edition of the podcast, we are going to review the two latest trailers that came out, one from each of Marvel and DC, the official final trailer for the Snyder Cut of Justice League hit this week, and then recently the Falcon and Winter Soldier Super Bowl edition of the trailer hit as well, and what both of those productions mean for the future of both DC and Marvel is actually a very interesting conversation to hit on. So let's open up a cold one and get started on episode 66 of the Mutant Bless Podcast. On this edition of the podcast, I'm going to go over the two next events for DC and Marvel in terms of their universes. And the reason why I call them events is because while the Falcon and Winter Soldier is a television miniseries show, the Snyder Cut of the Justice League is actually going to be a four-hour movie. So you have two different products, both hitting the, their respective streaming platforms in March. And both of them are very highly anticipated. So about a month from this podcast dropping, you will have both of these streaming, or at least begin streaming for people to watch. and. They're both more so events than they are actual movies or television shows. So I'm going to start with the Justice League. So just a tiny bit of background information for those of you out there who maybe are not 100% sure what is going on. Zack Snyder was the original, basically, overseer of many of the movies in the DC movie universe. He's the one who directed and produced the Man of Steel movie. He's the one who did Batman v Superman. He was supposed to be the guy who did the Justice League movie. The working theory was that Zack Snyder had a vision for the long-term plans for the DC Universe beyond just the Justice League movie. The problem is all of those plans got derailed when... After they finished shooting the movie, he had to leave the work of the movie because of issues in his family. He had a death in his family. Things were going on. Joss Whedon came in, and depending on who you believe, Joss Whedon threw out somewhere between 30 and 80% of everything Zack Snyder did, did reshoots, and changed the entire movie. The Justice League movie that Joss Whedon sent out to movie theaters was a failure in terms of critical critical reception. While it made some money, it didn't make the amount of money that was legitimately necessary, okay, for you to make that kind of level of film and to have reshoots on top of it, changing many aspects of the movie. As a result, DC entire universe went sideways after Justice League. A lot of their plans, short and long term, were either trashed or readjusted. They were so desperate to hit the reset button on certain projects they brought in. From Marvel, they hired James Gunn to redo the Suicide Squad. They have had multiple directors and multiple rewrites in terms of the Flash movie. Ben Affleck's Batman project was completely dumped and scrapped and forgotten about. And that's why Robert Pattinson is now going to be a new Batman and a retelling of Batman that's coming out in about a year or two. And 
you think about what happened with Wonder Woman 1984, you have, you have to think about how much did the failings of Justice League and the lack of hype coming out of the Shazam movie, how did that impact what Patty Jenkins did with Wonder Woman 1984? It's a lot of what-ifs, but it's a domino effect. Because DC was playing in arms ways. The DC was trying to keep up with the Joneses. They were trying to have the nicest car in the neighborhood, just like Marvel. They were trying to say, we got the big guns too. And instead of building a universe, they tried to fast track it. And these are some of the things that happened as a result. So the brand new trailer for Zack Snyder's Justice League, as I mentioned, is going to be a four-hour event. And part of the reason why it's going to be four hours is because the movie is going to basically do an encapsulated origin backstory for three different characters. They introduce Cyborg in the movie, played by Ray Fisher. They introduce Flash in the movie, played by Ezra Miller. And then they also introduce one of the biggest villains in DC, Darkseid. And this is not the time and place to explain Darkseid because I want to see what Zack Snyder does with him before I get on the podcast and try to explain Darkseid to anybody listening out there who's not a diehard comic book fan. But here's what you need to know. The reason why Snyder wants to focus on Cyborg and Flash's stories, the real reason is because there was no Cyborg or Flash movie leading up to Justice League. Snyder's working theory when creating this movie was that, well, I gave you Superman, I gave you some Batman, you should already kind of have an idea who Aquaman is. You know who Wonder Woman is. So now I'm going to spend part of this Justice League movie telling you about Cyborg and Flash. The problem was is that in order to tell that story, you're going to have to sacrifice something. And that's why this is a four-hour event. Remember, Batman v Superman, the movie, lost a lot of its storytelling because of a lot of the cuts that they made before it got to the theater. So Zack Snyder has already to- told you through his own experience that he is a long-form storyteller. He is incapable of giving you a condensed or evenly neat story. Now, it's got to be ridiculous. It's got to be over the top. It's got to be extensive. It's got to be bombastic. It's got to be ridiculous. And. I'm not trying to diss this movie before it comes out, but the fact that this has to be a four-hour event kind of tells you that this movie is going to be more for the fans of DC than it is for the regular people who go and watch action movies or comic book movies. And that's really a shame because I think that they could have had an opportunity to really create something special and new. The other side of this coin that has to be understood is that DC, according to Zack Snyder, has told him that they are not interested in a second Justice League movie from him. So this is going to be the beginning and the end of whatever story that he wanted to tell. And that everything you see moving forward is basically going to be a building off or a retcon or a retelling or a revision of everything moving forward, which is really a shame because 
I understand what Zack Snyder was trying to do. I'm not a huge fan of what he did with Batman v Superman. I felt that was you know, really just too much too soon. I did appreciate what he did with Man of Steel. And the fact that he gave a different take on Superman. A take on Superman that I appreciated. And part of the reason why I appreciated it was because of the fact that it wasn't the same old story. I understand that Superman is supposed to be a symbol of hope. An upbeat character, someone that people look up to and all that kind of stuff. But the problem was is that for the years, Superman from the 1940s up until Man of Steel was treated like a messianic figure. He was treated like a a character who was the DC version of Jesus Christ. And I am not a fan of mixing religious metaphors, especially ones that intense, with science fiction in any way. It's one thing to say Aslan represents God in the Chronicles of Narnia, and he himself is held to a certain standard, and he's portrayed a certain way. But Superman, for decades, has been put on this pedestal in this messianic way, but yet he couldn't even live up to his own reputation at times. And he was flawed, and it was like we were told to not believe in the flaws, not look at the flaws, just ignore the flaws, and, you know, just believe that Superman is wonderful, and he knows everything, and he's the best. And finally, Zack Snyder took the character of Superman and brought him back down to Earth a little bit, and, you know, made him a little bit of rough on the edges, and made him a little bit more of a person who is layered. And I appreciated that. And I thought that I think that Zack Snyder is a well-intentioned guy when it comes to these comic movies and trying to tell stories. But let's not forget that his versions of these characters have never been and will never be fully in line with the comic books. Just look at what they did with Batman v Superman and how that whole thing went about. And so as a result, I understand that DC is trying to salvage things moving forward. And this was the thing that fans demanded. And this was an opportunity for DC to make some money and maybe get some more subscribers for HBO Max. But at the end of the day, this is a film that is basically just for the diehard fans. And that's a shame because if DC's goal is to bring in new fans and bring in new people and generate interest, you're still failing. Because what you're doing is is you're marketing yourself to a niche audience. You're not di- marketing yourself to a diverse group of people. And I understand that the working theory is, well, the people who come for this movie are going to stay for the other products on HBO Max. They're going to want to sign up. They're going to want to keep the subscription. That's a great theory, and that's a great plan. The problem is your app stinks. Their app is probably the most limited of all the streaming apps I have ever seen. Netflix, Hulu, Disney+, Plus, Crackle, Amazon Prime. Name a streaming service and HBO Max is limited and not set up well compared to them. There's no reason why a streaming service that is backed by HBO and Warner Brothers should have this many limitations except for the fact that they rushed it to production and market. 
and they didn't get a complete product before it went out there. That's why Disney Plus is going to break 100 million subscribers in a year and a half, and HBO Max is still trying to figure out the layout of their platform. So I am looking forward to this movie, but I'm also treating it as this is going to be a one-off, and we may never see anything like this ever again because in many ways, DC was kind of forced into letting Zack Snyder complete this project. Then he was in a position to build off of this project, which is in some ways a shame because I understand how passionate he is about this. And while I don't always agree with everything he does, I think that Zack Snyder is well-intentioned and there's a lot of good people who worked on this project behind the scenes and who are actors and actresses who, because of the failings of Joss Whedon's total destruction of the Justice League movie and the failings of Zack Snyder's shortcuts he took for Batman v Superman, there's a lot of people who have been shuffled in and out of roles as DC moves forward with their characters. The next trailer event I want to touch on is Falcon and the Winter Soldier. And this is going to be a more of a uh, review of the trailer itself. As we've seen so far from a lot of the clips, we're giving a little bit in details all along. But the latest trailers and teasers have kind of given us a more of an idea of what exactly is going on. So this miniseries, similar to WandaVision, is going to take place in the immediate aftermath of Avengers Endgame. And what that has to deal with is when Captain America decided to go back in time and do what he did, and he decided that Falcon was going to be the heir apparent to carry Captain America's shield, it appears that this television show is going to deal with the reality that there are political reasons why Captain America had the opportunity. One of the comments is made in one of the trailers for Falcon and Winter Soldier, is the history of that shield. And that's a very loaded thing for them to put in there because what they're already inferring is that Marvel is going to go deeper into the mythos and the history of what Captain America means. And they're going to do that because they're introducing the character of John Walker, U.S. agent, who's going to be the government's pick to be Captain America. But at the end of the day, Falcon is the one who should be Captain America. The movies, the television show, I should call it, should actually also deal with two villains who are going to be part of this movie. And while there's a little bit of vagueness about who the primary villain is, I think it's fair to say that they're both going to have a serious role. One you may already know if you watched Captain America Civil War, that would be Zemo, the architect villain behind the conspiracy and everything that happens in that movie, he is back for this film and he is carrying his comic famous mask as he says in the trailers that superheroes should not be allowed to live and his, his mission is not finished, which is kind of a inference that he is going to be part of the problem for Falcon, Winter Soldier, and for... U.S. agent in this movie. The other major villain that's revealed is a very infamous and not as well-known character known as Flag Smasher. And I think it's important that Flag Smasher is in this film. So Flag Smasher is a villain 
who is an anti-nationalist anarchist in the comics. And it looks like it's going to be the same concept here in this movie. But how that is connected is going to be probably part of a bigger story because you don't have two different types of villains dealing with two heroes and then introducing another character without reason. And that's where Sharon Carter comes in. Sharon Carter, who you were introduced to in Captain America, Winter Soldier, who's been an on-again, off-again character through the Marvel movies. She is a outlaw slash vigilante in this show. And the reason that's why that's important is because what Marvel is going to do is they're going to paint for you the other side of the world in the post-Endgame world, which is, remember, after Endgame, you are set five years after Infinity War. So there's all kinds of things that happened for those five years. And now, with things supposedly set back to normal, but they're not really back to normal because it's been five years since the initial incidents and situation of Infinity War, now you're dealing with something that you weren't really expecting to deal with which is what happens to heroes who walk into a world that maybe doesn't want them. And that's what I'm looking forward to with this show. The government doesn't think that Sam Wilson should be Captain America. There's probably someone in the government doesn't even think that Winter Soldier should even be allowed to be walking the streets and be a hero, despite the fact that he helped defeat Thanos in Endgame. There's probably a part of the world that looks at Zemo and Flag Smasher and sympathizes with their causes of anti-superheroes, anti-nationalism, anarchism because of their own negative perspectives on how superheroes may have messed with their lives. So this show is going to deal with a lot of the more real-world elements, whereas WandaVision is dealing with the you know, multiversal, super-powered element of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, Falcon and Winter Soldier is going to deal with the more grounded version. And that's where you're also going to get your introduction as well to the fictional nation-state of Madripoor. Now, the concept of Madripoor, the city in the comics, is patterned after, in many ways, a upscale version of Sri Lanka and Singapore in Malaysia. And the reason why I was patterned off those two cities is because Madripoor was purposely made a fictional city because back when they created this in the comics, they were trying not to deal with some of the political things of that era because of the Cold War. But the idea is, is that it's a independent city-state in the Pacific that is basically the home base of a lot of criminal elements. And a lot of the concepts that you would have seen in the John Wick movies when it came to, comes to assassins and neutral ground and all that kind of stuff actually comes from Madripoor originally from the comics. So when you get into them introducing this, that probably has to do with who is behind Flag Smasher, who is behind getting Zemo out of prison. And all of this is going to build up to the reason why Falcon is going to be asked to be Captain America moving forward. And again, Remember, because Phase 4 of the MCU is all about laying a foundation, I don't think there's any coincidence that they're going to Madripoor, which is on the side of the world as Shang-Chi, which is a movie that is coming out, or the fact that they're dealing with 
an anarchist, anti-nationalist, because they're trying to reestablish that even though Steve Rogers, Captain America, is no longer running around and standing up for freedom, it doesn't mean that his own protégés and his own allies are not trying to do the same thing. So this is going to be a very fun show. I'm really looking forward to it. The other thing in the trailer stands out is they dig into the relationship between Falcon and Bucky Barnes. It's obviously a relationship that was forged out of their common best friend being Steve Rogers. Sam Wilson being Steve Rogers' later sidekick slash best friend, and Bucky Barnes being the original best friend of Steve Rogers. And while they both like each other, they both appreciate each other, there's elements of both of their personalities that definitely grind on each other a little bit. And they do tend to, you know, kind of push each other's buttons a little bit like brothers do. And that's going to be a fun dynamic of the show because, you know, Marvel, they can't be too serious. They got to have a little fun. They got to have a little bit of a sense of humor. They got to mix in a little bit of fun into the show. And so the new dynamic of these two is going to be, these are two guys, they're friends, but they're more like brothers because they get on each other's nerves, but they always have each other's backs. So it's going to be a fun show. I'm looking forward to it. And I can tell you right now that considering what Marvel is going to be doing with their movies moving forward, you think about the fact that Falcon and the Winter Soldier is coming out now before the Black Widow movie. And I wouldn't be surprised if there is some connectivity between those two. Also, don't forget that the Hawkeye show is going to be coming out in the future as well. There's probably some groundwork being laid for that show as well. On top of all this, don't forget about the fact that the movies that are coming, like Doctor Strange Into the Multiverse of Madness, as well as other shows, they're still they're still based on Earth. They're still based in the world on Earth. But a lot of these things have connectivity to each other. And so you're constantly laying the groundwork. You're constantly laying foundations. You're constantly setting the stages for different things. And Marvel is doing a step-by-step process. They're not trying to overkill you like DC has been. They're not trying to overload you with information. They're not trying to give you a product and say, just accept what we're giving you. Suck it up, kids. They're not doing that. What they're saying is that we are giving you step-by-step, chapter-by-chapter, book-by-book of a series, of an event, of a situation, of an ongoing story and saga. And part of it has to do with whatever happens at the very end of WandaVision, which as of February 19th when I'm recording this, we still have a couple more episodes of WandaVision to go before we know exactly the outcome of the show. There's probably going to be something to do with the show that's going to roll into Falcon and Winter Soldier. And something from Falcon and Winter Soldier is going to roll into the Black Widow movie. And then something that's going to roll into the Eternals and roll into Shang-Chi. And you, you kind of see where I'm going with all this here. Again, as Disney and Marvel like to say, it's all connected. It's all under one umbrella. And I'm definitely looking forward to it. And so while one universe has a huge event that's coming that is basically not going anywhere in terms of Zack Snyder's Justice League, Falcon and Winter Soldier is an event that's going to set the groundwork for what we can expect to see more of moving forward. And I'm definitely looking forward to that. Thanks for listening to this edition of the Mutant Blitz podcast. If you enjoyed the podcast, hit the likes button, hit subscribe, whether you're listening to us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, 
or here on the YouTube channel. Make sure you review, subscribe, rate, do whatever you got to do to help support the podcast. Let us know what you think. Follow me on Twitter at Josh Hennig with all your thoughts and comments. And I will be reviewing WandaVision, but when it's completely done. Uh, as the show is playing out, I'm feeling a lot better and more confident in my decision to wait until the end of WandaVision because of the fact that when you're dealing with a show that is revealing things as it has been, it's best to talk about the completed product instead of uh, reviewing it bit by bit because I don't know if any, any of us have the patience for that. Considering the fact there's a lot of uh, false information and conspiracy theories out there that have proven to be wrong, uh, I'm even extra glad that I'm not part of that group of people. So. I'm Josh Hennig. Thanks for listening, and I'll catch you next time here on the Mutant Plus Podcast.